Oh yeah, we're talking about yeah, we're talking scores. About film scores, so we should get back to that. <laughs> Let me look at a good question to bring up. I know I wrote a lot. Well, we talked about we've kind of talked touched on some of these. Oh, here's a good one. That's this could be a good uh jumping off point. Do you fear the power of the soundtrack overshadowing the emotion of the scene? Uh no, I think I think one of the bigger issues that I really fear motorcycle. Uh, I think one of the bigger issues that I fear and worry about is, you know, they always say uh show don't tell. And I think a score can really tell. And I think there's a lot of times when you can watch a film and you don't really necessarily know how to feel, but then the music comes on and it's overly dramatic and whatever emotion it's trying to convey. And it's essentially just telling the audience, oh, look at this scene. You're supposed to be scared. Oh, look at this scene. You're supposed to be sad. Oh, look at this scene. It's supposed to be energetic or, oh, this is supposed to be funny and cute. And, you know, the the score can really proceed the film and just tell the audience exactly how to feel. Absolutely. Scary films, horror films, they definitely rely on that and use it to their advantage. We do. Yes. We have. And and it's it's effective, but I think that's the biggest issue is that when what was the question? Does it overshadow the emotion of yeah, the scene? Overshadowing it where it's like Yes, it does in the fact that it's telling you how you're supposed to feel about the scene and not letting the actors convey the emotion, not allowing the director to show the emotion, not allowing the writer to have created then as the a scene. As a director, how do you rein that in a bit with working with a composer, possibly? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. Uh, and that's kind of the scariest situation uh, with me because you know I know so little about music and we were listening to a score where you where you were saying like oh man that fucking piano like I like the score but there was like a piano instrument in there doing its thing and you're like man I fucking hate that piano and 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 that, that turned you off to the composer and I was like well dude if if they're doing that in our film we just tell them take the piano out but it's it's kind of scary when, you know, for me at least, when because I'm such a layman, I, I just know so little to be like, yeah, I know this is what, you're, what you studied and this is your expertise and you're the expert here. But, you know, that piano, uh, it's just not kind of working for what I like. And tell me more, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and, and that's what that that's kind of scary to me because I don't feel the confidence in that to say that so how would i get around that i don't know man i i would literally toss and turn over that and and that would literally keep me up at night trying to figure out the way to word it i mean granted you 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 just got to figure out a way to word it that's not offensive to them and that will get you or get them to go along with you and not get upset with you. And 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 I just don't know how I would navigate that personally. What about yourself? 
So when uh, when thinking about this question, a big thing that I worry about is is a score. Like you said, you you worded it perfectly. Is a score uh, telling more than showing, and just essentially just driving the emotion of the scene over the top. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a, a fine balance, and like when I think about like a really powerful score, I'm thinking I'll I'll go back and think and talk about Psycho. Yeah, where it's like sometimes you just are. It's almost like you're just listening to Bernard Herrmann's score, and it's just like the music is super loud. There's nothing else. There's no other sounds in the scene. It's just like it's just the score, and it's just driving the emotion of the scene. And I worry that. You, there's a very fine balance between the score driving the emotion of the scene and then taking over the scene mm-hmm. where you're worried about what what uh, you're not necessarily worried about like what comes next or our uh, suspe- our suspension of disbelief. Or anything like that. You're just like, oh, this just sounds nice, right? You're almost making a music video at that point. And I guess that's something that I wanted to uh, try to avoid because I want to have purpose behind the music. Yeah, I want there to be a purpose behind uh, the actions and decisions in the film. Not just, hey, we're going to... This is where this, this, you know, we have to build up and crescendo. This is the suspense. And this is where it leads into my next question where Well, can I can I interrupt there real quick? Sure. Because you know, you, you were talking about a purpose of the music, and we did that ugly scene in our film that really doesn't work. We got it as best we can. We're gonna take that hit. We're gonna get punched. It it's gotta get dirty, right? Like when they talk about fights and you gotta fight dirty, this is where we're gonna fight a little dirty and we're gonna get hit. But one thing that kind of protects us is the music. And you saw how that scene kind of pulled around because we used uh, a temp score from Halloween 2. And that really pulled in that scene to make it feel tighter and less noticeable for the uh, blemishes. So, Well, one thing I will say, just to interrupt real quick, I'm sorry, but the thing about music and a score is it really patches together uh, dis, uh, di, um, scenes that aren't like necessarily fitting together. Yeah. Because the the music creates like this throughput line, and as long as the music is like this unbroken like melody, the scenes that maybe aren't stitched together that well become stitched together well because the music just kind of softens the roughness. Okay, fair fair point. But in our case, I felt like. We weren't using, because you said you need to have kind of a reason to the music. I don't feel like we had a reason to the music. I feel like we were using that music to cover up the mess. Yes, absolutely. And that was that's the purpose, essentially. We're using the music to, one, there's, there's three reasons why a score should be used in a film. And this is going to lead into my next question. And the three reasons are... One, to heighten the emotion of a scene, to patch together two scenes together. <laughs> yeah. And then three, it's to tell a story without anything being said. Mm-hmm. And so this also comes into the opposite of having a score 
And when is it appropriate to use absolute silence? Um, I mean, that's an aesthetic and understanding the story, honestly, um, because there's a point in First Man where you have this overwhelming score and they're blasting off into outer space. And then I think they break like the outer atmosphere and then they are in free orbit and it's just silence. And it's just so poignant because you had like all of these intense sounds. Cause I mean, first man had an amazing sound design. First man had an amazing soundtrack. It completely enveloped you and engrossed you into it. And then boom, silence. They broke out of it. And it just perfectly encapsulates the fact that they broke away from the earth and now they're in outer space, right? You, you remember what moment I'm talking about? Absolutely. I think it happens twice. It probably does because, I mean, Chazelle knows sound. And, and there's a few other instances in other movies where they cut to silence. And every time, man, it's just so poignant. Like it just, it's an exclamation mark. But to when to know when to to use it and not to use it, I I don't know. I think you have to feel it. I don't there I don't think there's any way to say like, oh, you know, you kind of done this and this and this. It's been so loud up until this point. Let's you you should cut to silence to contrast that. I don't think it can be formulaic in that respect. You just have to really understand the story and what you're trying to convey. And then feel when you can do it because when you do it you're placing an exclamation point on that scene absolutely within that sentence you're putting the exclamation you're drawing so much attention to that you better fucking use it right so you better know how you're feeling and then in respect to where we're at as uh you know independent filmmakers inexperienced filmmakers it can Again, be a good tool to brush things under the rug to kind of hide imperfection and then distract the audience. It can be a great tool for distracting people. For instance, we had a scene where the protagonist is looking out their window, out a window and imagining freedom is just outside that window, right? That's that whole scene is literally if you could get out of the room you're in and pass that window to the outside, you are free. You're going to be safe. And we have, do we have music there? I think we do. We do now. Yeah. Yeah. We have Rosemary's theme playing and we have her audio and her lines and all of that. But then after a certain point, of course we keep the score going, but then we cut the actual sound from the shot and, and and there's that silence from it, and you love it. Yeah, you love that part because then we're just focusing not on silence, of course, but because we cut out a certain portion of sound, we're now focusing on the score, what it's telling, the story it's telling, and the character within that scene. And so you can really use, utilize you know, the absence of sound to just drive in that exclamation point. And it's beautiful. If you do it right, I mean, goddamn, 
it's really going to sell things. And I'm not sure. And you got to use it sparingly. Yes. You got to use it like once, twice to none. You know, I don't know if you can use it more than twice. Because then it's going to sound, it's going to be cheap and it's going to look maybe amateurish. But man, when you use it and you you get it right, Jesus, you just nail it. Because it's, it, you know what it makes me think of? Uh, Pulp Fiction. When Umer Thurman's telling Tarantino about uh, relationships and when you know you're you're really like in love with someone and you're really vibing with someone when you can share that uncomfortable silence because the silence is very uncomfortable. So it's basically like you got to make something very uncomfortable work because I've seen movies where there's no sound or the sound is very minimal and you just can feel like the audience getting tense because it's boring and it's slow and they want that spectacle and it's just not there, especially with modern audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, buddy. And I, one thing I will say about, at least about absolute silence, like I'm talking no ring, no ringtone, no, no uh, room tone, no score, yeah, literally nothing. no sound. It's absolute silence. And I will say it's like, it kind of forces the audience into like a heightened observation. Yeah. Because you're like, oh shit, like what's going to happen? Like, you're kind of pulled out of the movie. It's like an excuse to pull someone out of the movie to kind of figure out what's happening. It's it's a bit of a reset then. It is a it's a bit of a soft reset, a, a subconscious reset, right? Because yeah. you don't realize that. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. And then you're just like, wait, what's happening? Like, there's nothing. There's no sound. There's no, and you're just being flooded with visuals. And you're paying attention to all the visuals. So it's a good t- time if you have anything that important that you have to show uh, to just kind of show it that way through no sound and or very minimal sound. But that's so risky, right? To use oh, the very, no sound. Oh, very, very risky. I mean, you got to... You, you got to be... You'd a, be better off not using it, right? If you don't know how to use it in your film, don't just add it in. Absolutely. If you... Yeah, because it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and the worst thing than being bad is you're going to look pretentious. We talked about film scores. Oh, temp music. Are you ever worried about the poisoning effect of temp music? Oh, okay. I thought we were going to gloss over that. But, uh... what, like, uh, what I mean by the poisoning effect of temp music and why I want to ask you is uh, and then there's a there's actually a great video um, from every frame of painting, yeah, about this about how you get so attached to the temp music and you start to see the scenes with that music. Is that something that you worry about? Oh, of course, and I think that relates to um, a lot of filmmakers because it might have been in that video where they were then showing other songs that sound just like other songs. Mm-hmm. And you realize that the composer just essentially copied the temp music, but there's a certain amount of copying that you can do. I think you can be 75% of copying it. And as long as you're 25% different, you can argue it out of court. And so there's a lot of music that 
you will hear that's very similar to other soundtracks. For instance, a, a very contemporary modern one, modern one is the um, Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. I, you, you know it when you hear it, and a lot of other films have copied that. It's a score. John Williams. That is not Pirates. He did not do Pirates, you goddamn liar. Who did? Who did it's that? not John Williams. But a lot of people will Al- use that. Alan Silvestri, is that who did it? <laughs> You're just naming people now. But that that's a pretty popular one. Um, and there is a danger because... Oh, Klaus Badlet. I'm sorry, Klaus Badlet. Oh, Hans Zimmer. Okay. Really? Hans Zimmer did Pirates? I'm not surprised. So Klaus Badlet did film one. Hans Zimmer did two through four. And then Jeff... And Neely did five. Yeah. 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 So I I think the biggest issue with with temp music is just the fact you can be attached to it and the fact that you apply so much emotional resonance to to that. For instance, in our film, for Jennifer, her theme song, we have Rosemary's Baby. Yes. And that's perfect. Rosemary's theme song is perfect for Jennifer. But of course, we can't use that. And even if we use temp music that's similar to Rosemary's Baby, I think that's fucking cheap. I think that's lame. And we need to find something solely unique for Jennifer because that's just fucking lame, dude. You know, we got to do better than that. And, but if you get so attached to a temp song, it, that might there might not be anything better than that, and you'll always feel like you got less than throughout that. That's very true, and it's something that I you know, I, I worry about because sometimes some of the music just fits so well that you just focus on, wow, it the movie can be like this, the edit can be like this, the cut can be this, and then you watch it back and you're like. How much the score is doing such a heavy lift. The score is lifting so much. And I remember we were watching a render. Yeah. We were watching a render of uh, the film and you were like, the music's just too good for our movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like our movie doesn't, it's like our movie doesn't deserve music this good. Yeah. Yeah. That that's very true. And, and honestly, the music was kind of taking me out of the film because it was so much better than the film. And so that's what I want to ask you. So we are looking for a composer for Dickhead. So with that said, and this is a big undertaking, and maybe we're kind of getting a little too ahead of ourselves, but we kind of need to because if we want Rosemary's Baby's theme song-esque theme for Jennifer, well, the composer is going to need some fucking time to do that because that's great. Rosemary's Baby is great. So what are some of your requirements and criteria for this collaboration and finding a composer and what do you want from them? I think what I want from a composer is just someone that understands the emotion Mm. and the intent behind the scene and can pull that out of the scene. I do not like, like we talked about how, you know, our music illiteracy And ignorance. And I'm just like, I want to watch, to me, I want a composer that when I watch the scene back and we had a, 
a sample we watched earlier. And there was one that was just way better. To me, it was just far better. And it's because as I was watching the scene, it amplified what we had cut. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, okay, you're just putting... Essentially, to me, I want the score to like be the punctuation to the scene. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is where there was an exclamation point. This is where the scene ends. There's a period here. And that is what goes along with it. Because I know you were talking, you mentioned earlier in in the chat when we were talking about having like a memorable score, but like, I don't even know how you get that. Like you get it in a hook. Yeah. You got to have that hook, which I think maybe we might have two different, desires in the score where you're talking about punctuation where I think punctuation can be unnoticed whereas a hook is noticeable Rosemary's baby that uh, Rosemary's theme is a hook Jaws is a hook Indiana Jones is a hook Star Wars is a hook but some unnoticeable themes Blade Runner hum me a song from Blade Runner you can't, but as soon as you hear it, you instantly know what it is, and you're like, "Yes, this is perfect and amazing," you know. And so, yeah, maybe we are approaching this from two different themes, or not themes, but from two different perspectives, and that's a little scary, you know, that we're going to be facing because we need to be on the same page for the music. Absolutely. And there might be contention there that we're going to face. That's why I don't necessarily want to do it because. Or get to it too too soon because I want to see how the cut's going to pan out. And then also I just want to just get a huge um, cue, not cue, but just a huge collection of different composers that maybe we can look at and see and then choose the best one from there. But I certainly, I don't mind having some of the for lack of a better word, some of the scores being atmospheric where like it kind of blends in with the image or with the story and you don't really notice it, but it's there and it's moving it along and it's punctuating things. Like, I don't mind that. I mean, I think that's great. It, it really helps to, to tell. But I also want the hook. I also want that Rosemary's baby. I want, also want Rosemary's theme. And that doesn't blend in. That stands out front and center. And that kind of over, like you were saying, overshadows the scene. Like we have a shot of our protagonist, Jennifer, walking to school. It's whatever. She's just walking to school. But then, goddamn, you put on Rosemary's theme over it. And that's front and center. And it's creating this entire perspective and this entire narration of this person. And it's making you feel certain feelings about this character. And it is front and center. And I think we need that as well. Well, to me, well, I think something that I, w- I really want, and that I don't know if we could get it, but this is what I want, is I want distinct themes for the three protagonists. Yes. We always talked about that, though. Yeah. We wanted themes for like literally every character. Now it's probably not feasible because that might be too much money. <laughs> but not only that, it's just there's not... And they're not, they're not enough screen time. The characters have kind of fallen into their development naturally where it before every one every character was kind of bloated it was a lot more um ensemble 
where now it's getting that's being trimmed more and more. Right, right. It's there's really three protagonists. There are not protagonists. There are three main yeah characters. focuses. Yeah, characters. three main focuses. And I feel like it, what would be cool is each one gets their theme, and then they have like almost like a battle theme. A battle theme. Yeah. So Explain. like that sounds very interesting. So the idea would be like so we have like Jennifer's theme. Uh huh. And then you have like Tom's theme. Yeah. But when Tom and Jennifer are interacting, there's like a the themes kind of mix and blend to oh. kind of create like a new song in a sense. And one kind of fighting over the other. Yeah. Wow, dude, that sounds expensive. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that sounds cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I had. What about all three of them? Right. But there's and then that and then that's a is whole the new culmin- one. That's the culmination. That's the crescendo when all three finally are in the same room together, which only happens once in the movie. And that leads the third act, and that's kind of like the overarching. Yes. Wow. Have you told any of the composers this? Yeah, but the thing is, like, that involves. I mean, that's someone we're much... working with, and it's yes. like, look, you're you're hooked into this. Yeah, we've probably paid you a little bit of money. We're gonna do this. We need a theme. Oh, that's cool, dude. That's kind of what I had thought. And then it's like, because... It also seems like it could sound like shit. Because it might not blend well. I mean, the whole point is that... It's it, going to take a very skilled person to do yeah, See, but, And that's the fucking problem with all of this. It's going to take a skilled person. Yes. Because the, the the cool thing I thought was like, we shift uh, our focus, our character focus. And then those themes would Like within lead. the music, you hear who's winning. Yeah. And they're taking precedence in the, the score. Yeah, that's fucking, that's a great way to do that. I like it. I mean, that's kind of what I've had in mind. That's what I've been kind of pushing to the composers that I've been talking to. But that requires a level of commitment because they have to really know the characters. They have to really oh, understand yeah. the story. Well, because it's going to take a lot of work for them to really sit quietly in a room and yeah. Come up with this, right? And yeah. and decide what this means. So with the so with all of that said, you know, and we have these strong temp scores, like we have Rosemary's theme and we use Halloween throughout most of this. Yeah. And whatever other score we like. Do you want the composer to really look at that and kind of mimic it no so then you want to allow the composer to have full free reign and come up with whatever they want but then also not free not well, well then let me add this then so then what happens too if they were to have that and not get to what you want but that's who we're working with i mean i guess if if we have settled on someone Mm-hmm. And then they're like producing the music, and but we don't like it. I would say we'd have to f- probably cut our losses and try to find someone that can reach what we want. Fuck! How, when 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 are we doing that, man? I mean, I hope we would do it before we cut spent too much money. But sure. to me, but I'm because I'm thinking of it, and it's like before we even really like sign any contracts or paperwork or you know any payments with composers. We really kind of have to be on the same page. Like we'll have to have a couple meetings. Yeah. Maybe on a couple calls just to be like, hey, this is what we want. This is what we're thinking. 
we've seen like what like what we got tonight. It was like, oh wow, one of them sounds really good, and kind of like. Well, it, I thought honestly, I thought both of them sounded pretty damn good. They yeah. just, I'm looking for the hook. That's where my mindset is, and there's no hook. No, there but was no hook. But as far as like this atmospheric punctuation, I thought we heard two very good samples. Yes, with one standing out. Although I think you like the uh, more classical orchestrated version. Yeah. Where I liked the more synthesized version more. Personally, I liked the more synthesized sound. Strangely enough. I think my problem with the synthesized sound is I just, maybe I just hear it too much. Yes, you do. Because I don't. Because I don't really like synth music like that. Um, Dude, I'm thinking Dickhead. I'm thinking Rosemary's Baby. That's orchestrated. I'm not thinking synth 80s, you know, slasher, what's contemporary fun right now, kind of cheesy music. I'm thinking orchestra, man. I want some 70s. I want some Suspiria and shit like that. Goblin, right? Is Goblin a lot of synth? It's orchestrated, isn't it? Or is it both? Both. Maybe that's what we need is some goddamn Goblin. I don't like Goblin. But maybe that's what it is. I, I mean, because Goblin's also kind of rock It is. Bit. Yeah. Well, Goblin, I mean, that's like great, right? It's literally great. I mean, even though that's not my aesthetic. I like Suspiria, <sighs> but that's pretty much about... That's about it for Goblin I like. Uh, I want Rosemary's theme, which is classical. That's what I'm leaning towards. But I did like that synth sound. But I don't listen to it as much as you, and you just immediately... I was kind of shocked that you didn't like it. Honestly, I was I was a bit shocked. Or no, I shouldn't say you didn't like it, but I I was shocked that wasn't your favorite. I I think for me like the classical sound it worked so well for the scene that we had saw because yeah. it's the big reveal and then we have this like kind of like crescendo of instruments and it's like oh, this is kind of cool like it's, there's a build, there's a like, there's a slight build up, and then it leads to this big reveal, and then there's just, but also there's like, just like this slight sound as Jennifer's walking around. It's not really, it's like almost like punctuating. It's, it's yeah, like exactly you described it perfectly. Soft room tone punctuations. Yeah, it's the comma. It's yeah. the period. It's the exclamation. Right. It's what it's what gently leads us into the mm-hmm. next scene. Yeah, that was a perfect description for it, buddy. Yeah. And you know, I think that's the difference between you and me is that you're looking for the punctu you're looking for punctuation. I'm looking for that hook. And with the samples we heard, the classical music had the punctuation. I think the synth music or the more synthesized music had the hook. It stood out more front and center. Fuck. So let me ask you this in closing. This was your first question. And you wrote, I'll start this one off with a bit of an easy question. What is the meaning of the music of a film to you? Which, when I think about that, I was like, that doesn't sound like an easy question at all. But after all of this in conclusion, what is the meaning of the music of a film to you. Well, to me, film is the culmination of 
sound is of sight and sound. And it's when sight, sound, music, dialogue, visuals, everything is just blended together to create this like harmonious experience. And so the meaning of it is you want to use music and sound to draw in the viewer and just like kind of like pull them into the screen. You want to create like this almost like this world that they can just live in for a little bit. And the music, like I said, I like the mu- I like music that's like a punctuation. I also like always mu- no, I like music that can stand out, but the thing is when you have music that stands out, it's tough because that means you have someone like a genius, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Like, yes, tell that me is much harder to do. Yeah. Tell me the fucking, like you were like, I want the hook. I want the hook. I want Rosemary's baby. There's only one Rosemary's baby. No, I know. There's only a few, like, like the hooks from Halloween. Halloween. How many Halloweens are there? Like literally of all the slasher films, I know Halloween. A lot of them I've had, like copied kind of thing. Like, you know, like the main ones because they have theme hooks. And that's kind of what I wanted is a theme that hooks for the character. And then and, everything else is punctuated? Yes. I would love that. Yes. That's what I want. But we need to find the hooker. Yeah. Before we get the punctuation mark. Correct. Because I think the thing is, is like, I want... I like this idea that once you hear the score, the the certain a certain character's theme, they're about to show up on screen. You're already thinking of them when you hear it. Yes. It it, pre- it precedes them. You're training the audience sight and sound. It's that uh what is that the bell for the dog? Pavlov. It's Pavlov's bell? No. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Pavlov's bell? No, it's not. Yeah, Pavlov's dog or whatever. <laughs> But it's that, right? That is exactly right. And my hope is like you ha- like and that's why it's so important because we have all these solitary scenes of Jennifer and they have to be punctuated by this not even punctuated. They have to be shot through the moon by the sound because we pulled away a lot of the crappy, not even crappy, but just cringy dialogue and delivery that didn't work. And we're hoping that the music settles that score for us. So what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I would just like to uh, piggyback off of what you said and, and put it in closing in that. I mean, you said it, you, you did say it all perfectly in that and everything you said. And I would add that you want to keep the attention of the audience. And you're doing that with sound, without sound, with the dialogue, with the visuals, whatever method you're using to keep the audience engaged and allow music to be one of those tools you use to keep the audience engaged. And when you're working at our level and what we're discovering is that we've shot a story that can disengage an audience. And Scorsese says he watches his films without sound well, don't watch our film without any sound. <laughs> and, you know, I like to say, I, and uh, Jared and Clark, who are going to be on our next f- episode, 
they talked that they were editing their film without any sound and that they edited that way. And I've talked to you a lot about the fact that I edit without sound and following those beats. And of course, you've shown me how much sound really changes everything. You can get adding sound can really allow you to elongate a scene, really, is what I've found. Yes. More than shorten a scene, it can really allow you to elongate the scene and slow it down and, and make the pacing so much slower, which I think is a great thing. That's what I prefer aesthetically for myself. So music is just another tool and possibly the only tool and a very necessary tool to save a scene because it can have so much power. And use it and utilize it and make it count. Don't fucking skimp on the score. Because, I mean, there's some movies that really, the score sells it. I mean, famously, Psycho. Famously, Jaws. You don't even see fucking Jaws, but you hear that. Also, just the the score and Jaws... Fills you with the sense of adventure that the crew of the Orca is oh, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, when they're going on that adventure part. But really, it's the fear that, I mean, the score. Yeah. Jaws is a score, right? Because they could, the, the shark fucked up. Well, dude, they couldn't utilize it like they wanted to. So, really, Jaws is a score. Well, we talked about Star Wars, A New Hope, Luke standing on Tatooine looking yeah. at the fucking two sons. Yeah. Da, na, 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 whatever it is. What the, is that James Bond, buddy? I don't know. But are you know what? It's another great score, Star Trek. Yeah. Right? You know, like Star Wars, because Star Trek fills you with adventure going off into the into the uh, 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 the fringes of the universe to yet be explored and you're discovering all these new things. Like really, a score can... Man, if you, if you get a good one and you put some investment and time into that, you can make. Oh, oh, let me ask you this: Can you make a bad film great with an amazing score? Yes, you can. Huh? You absolutely can. And the I mean, there's a limit. There is a limit to how shitty you can make a film, but. But like I, one thing I will say is. The thing about having a, a fantastic score is it's just a joy to watch the it on uh, un, it unfold on screen. It is an absolute joy because of that score. Because of the score, because of the image, right? And like I said, the thing about it is when you have a really good score, it just solidifies the pacing of the film. And it's like, you know, you know, one we didn't even talk about is Mission Impossible. Mm. Right? And just like how intent how that, that score just intensifies the scenes. Dun 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 right? You know what else I was thinking of that kind of came to mind was some TV scores, X Files, but Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, absolutely. That opening sequence. Yep. Laura Palmer. Laura this Palmer. mountain town. Yep. Fuck, it's good. And with that, uh, we were going to do some movie quote drinking game. Because Tom's too depressed to write a script. That's right. I should have told you to come up with a score instead of a script for this episode. 
Well, buddy, you have a stack of cards next to you. Mm-hmm. And uh now last time we played, you did beat me, but I got so drunk. You we we said to beat to win it, you had to get to ten, and you actually only got to like seven or eight, but I was blacked out drunk by that point, and I said you won. Okay. Because you wanted to do 20, <laughs> 20 correct answers to win. Well, these ones are way harder. So what about the first of five? Sure. Because you're also tired and it's been a long day. Yeah. And you haven't eaten. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something. Sure. Uh, in general. With all of the work we've been putting while we shuffle. Just buy us some time while we shuffle. With all of the work you've been putting into Deckhead and this project even with the podcast because that takes time and effort and you've showed up here today working a full what 10 hours 12 hours possibly because of commuting yep and then you come here i think you probably woke up like at three in the morning and it's now almost two in the morning if not two yeah four i woke up at four you woke up at four and you're almost doing a 24 hour day is it net like, is that what it takes, man, to to do to make this happen, to to make a film happen? Is there is there better time management to be had to where you can actually have a life? Yeah, I mean, if we didn't have day jobs, we could have. We'd have day jobs. Everyone has day jobs. Yeah. Is this what it's gonna take? Like, yes. Sacrifice. It's sacrifice. It's because because of the nature of art. And just the risk, and not only that, the amount of people that are putting it in, you have to be willing to give up everything and as much as you can to be the one that stands out Mm -hmm. and be a part of the team that stands out. Because if you're not, you just blend in with the rest of the mediocrity. And also, it takes time. And like the problem, part of the problem is, and one of the reasons why it's the editing has taken so long is we have to train ourselves to become professional level editors. At least for this film. At least for this film, yes. Because of of all the little mistakes and all the little problems that we've made for ourselves uh, in the writing. and the, Not even in the writing. Like If we had actually shot what we wrote, it probably wouldn't be that hard. It was just a lot of like compromising and scheduling and... Compromising, yeah. And just just compromising in general, which is like the nature of filmmaking and nature to get of it art. done, to get it shot. Like but, it was, it was, it was necessary. Like yeah. It, if without compromise, it wouldn't get shot. But it, I mean, it, it it is a sacrifice, and it's kind of you know I don't necessarily always agree with with Bukowski, but you know he has that poem where it's like, don't if, try. Right, right. If it's if it's not just pulling out of your body then don't don't bother don't force it is right do or do not there is no try and that's that's really the the main thing about it is it's like if you're not going to put in if if this is if it's not going to be part of your life there's going to be so many people that it that is it's their that is that's their part of their life and it's not necessarily a competition but it but to an extent it's about standing out among the rest everyone else so then, can I ask you this too, personally? Are we making that sacrifice, or is it just an excuse? It's, because we don't have anything to show for anything. It's definitely both. 
Um, I will say, at least in the in regards to Dickhead in particular, it's just like we had to do a lot of learning. We've had to, to do a lot of, and it and it, it took a lot, yeah, just for us to just be like, hey, I think for, at least for me, uh, I just kept kind of hoping something or someone was going to come along that kind of knew what was what was going on and like, be like like the fortune we had up until post right like right like marianne i mean she kind of she brought in almost the entire crew yeah. our cast she rehearsed with them on her own yeah she, right and then it was just like everything kind of went so smoothly and then we got into editing and it was like Oh my God, what did we do? And we could have, we could have just put out, you know, something slightly better than what the original rough was. Which, and it, in our credits, pretty good. And it would have been, for considering, you know, it would have been fine. It probably would have got into some minor film festivals or whatever. But hopefully, what we have now with our years of experience of just talking about, film wanting to make film we're going to present something that's more undeniable okay it is better after all this time uh but is it is it equivalent to the time it took no it's not but i think that's also just you know like at all like like okay the cut's not sure the editing might not be but that's that that's editing without foley that's editing without score that's editing without color grading that's editing without vfx yeah does let's say all of those come together to be what we want like how the editing's coming together to be what we want does that then match the time it took or it's just Never. It's like, no, we took too fucking long. No, we took too long. We definitely oh, took too depressing. long. <laughs> that's it, really depressing. It's depressing, but also I'm not too sad about it because... um, I don't believe that. I'm pretty sad about it. No, I don't believe it in the sense that I think we can... We, we can live up to the expectation of the time it took. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. Maybe that's the difference between. <laughs> I believe. Well, it's not even to me. It's not even living up to the expectation of the time it took. It's just. Am I looking at it incorrectly? Then. I think. I think the problem is that there's so much more to do. Uh huh. And it's like we have this anchor around us. Yeah. And it's like it's. And it's like as soon as we get past that, it's like that that anchor will like be released, and then it's like what's next? And we've been in like this, like we, the anchor of dickhead, and yes. then what's next? Like other films, right? Like we've been in this limbo for yeah. almost a decade mm-hmm. because of fear, anxiety, hope, despair, finance. life, finance. I mean, it's not just one thing. It's not just one culmination. Like, you know, I know a lot of people will point out and say, oh, you guys could have edited it and thrown it out there, whatever. But it's like, no, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been happy with it. It always would have been this. I mean, we would have been the learning experience, but it's not what it is now. Like, 
now when we look at scenes, we're not looking at scenes the same way we did five years ago oh, when we're not looking at scenes the same way we looked at scenes. I feel like I'm understanding the film in a new way. We're understanding the film in a new way. We're understanding filmmaking in a new yeah. way. And to me, that's, that is an exciting aspect for the learning experience alone. Yeah, because I'm not thinking like, oh, you know, we're going to be, you know, a decade in or not. It's not a decade, but we're going to, it's just a, an example. I don't know what is like six or seven years or eight years or whatever. I think we're going on eight, no? It's 2016. 2016, four and three is seven. So we're like seven years in. But I mean, like we're still gonna, we're still shooting scenes. We're shooting scenes next week. <laughs> God, but why'd you have to say that? <laughs> Fuck. But like, at the same time, it's like, we know why we are doing the things that we're doing. And we're learning from, at least hopefully we can learn from those mistakes. Oh, yeah. And like, the thing is, we did, we set it up perfectly so that no one is at fault but us. And no one should be expecting anything until we're ready to give out everything because we've given everything for dickhead and all of our projects. And so while every, like a lot of people gave everything, their heart and their soul to help make the film, it's just like, look, we're going to try to make something that you're proud of. We're going to give you something that look, cause we've seen, we've seen what all the rushed out mediocre work looks like. And we want to be just 5% better than that would make us happy. So, you know, tequila hits me in a weird way, so I guess I don't know. But we're gonna finish this film. It's gonna get out there. So do you cause I have a lot of hope for it. Maybe that's just the romantic, the dreamer in me, but I I feel like when it's done and when it's complete. I do have a lot of hope and faith in it. And we have seen our friends release very good works for where we're all at and them not get the reception they deserve. And and that can that for me that 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 does get a bit depressing and scary. It's like, damn, dude, maybe I'm just so caught up in the bullshit, the minutia of literally what we're doing. I'm not really looking at the bigger picture. But I, I also say fuck that. I do have the hope. You know, you, I think you gotta have that belief. You gotta have that belief. You're gonna fucking win it all. Well, you like- are the number one. You know, you gotta have that's why I like competition. Like I feel like I gotta have that belief. But let me ask you personally, do you have that belief that after all of this, when it's said and done, after all of this time? that dickhead is going to be that thing for us that it's going to be, it's not going to be Halloween. Obviously we've seen what we've done. It's, it can't be evil dead. Cause evil dead's lightning in a bottle. It can't be clerks. Cause clerks is lightning in a bottle, but eh, maybe it could be a little under clerks. <laughs> maybe it could be a little under evil dead, you know, where it's like, yeah, we're, that's not going to launch us. People aren't going to recognize it, but at least the ones who have seen it and experienced it, they're going to be like, this 
you guys did all right. You guys did a fucking movie and it was all right. I will say that I do have a lot of hope. And the thing is, and especially now that since I've been, I, I mean, I've been watching and working on the edit for a Years. very long time. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm hoping that the good outshines the bad and that we cut the bad as short as we can. <laughs> So that covered up with music, we cut and we covered up with music, and we cut it as short as we can, so yeah. that it gets we get we get through it because it has to be there. Yeah. But the hope is there because I've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, is like there's no shortage of heart and soul in a lot of these movies. Yeah, that's what it's got. This fucking film's got heart. But, Our heart. But. It also has some intelligence behind it, which I think a lot of films just kind of lack. And also the fact is that we've spent so long with it is that we've literally exhausted everything that we've, (laughs) we've done with the film, right? Like we were looking at stuff today where you were like, we were just like, look, and we're like, well, we already saw all these takes. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, well, let's extend it here. And it was like, you were like, no, Stephen. And I was like, Ew, I don't know, Tom. Let's do it. And then sure enough, it was like, yeah, okay, Tom, you're right. This is why we cut it this way. And there's yeah. just like, and I think that's one of the hard parts is like just living with the bad. The best that you got. Yeah, there and you go. The best that's that you got is still bad. Yeah. And, but then it's, but at the same time, it's like, well, you still have to, as, you still have to use it because that's what is needed. That scene is needed. These yeah. things are needed, right? Like you can't, you can't just go completely avant-garde and. Well, maybe here's, here's a really great example. Cause I know you grew up poor, just like me, you know, there's times when we've been starving and sometimes when you're starving and all you got is that top ramen, <laughs> but you didn't take it out of the water too fast or something, you know, and it's just soggy and a little bit, you know how top ramen could get really gross when yeah. it just sits there, but that's all you got to eat, man. And you know what? It still has that seasoning packet in there. Yeah. That's dickhead. Yeah. Dickhead is soggy ramen. So I still got that seasoning packet. Damn. So I will say, yeah, you're right. There's hope. And the thing is, we got to have that hope, man. I, I mean, I do. I got to have that hope. Otherwise. I like, but I think is, what do you think? I'm the, not going to be crushed this soon. I, I think can't. part of the thing is that I like is I'm only growing to love the film more. It's got that charm. I'm starting to like it more and more. And, but at the same time, it's like, I'm so ready to, to just cross that finish it. line. Because I'm I, not. I mean, the charm is reinvigorating me. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I always think just like, man, we have so many more stories to tell, but it's like... Okay, you know what? This is what you're talking about with temp music. Mm-hmm. We fucked up with the temp music because that reinvigorated me, man. <laughs> Adding that fucking Rosemary's theme song really fucked my head up, dude, because that really reinstilled my my love and appreciation for who Jennifer is as a character and really captured it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's maybe great. if we didn't fucking use that music, I'd be like, yeah, let's just rush it out. But now that we did that, it's like, no. If we find that formula in our own version, 
I um, think it's there. And the, the, the best part is, is I think regardless of the score, we can get there. And that's what is really exciting to me is show the potential is because there were times where like, I remember when I did the, I did the very first cut, like all those years ago. Yeah. And I was just in, I just remember just watching take after take after take. And it's just like, Oh fuck. Cause I would say like 90% of the takes are probably like mostly unusable. (laughs) No, no, it's probably like, it's probably like 75%. (laughs) And because it's just like either like, the camera moved too quick or like uh, the dialogue was the delivery was off or the continuity is way too off or something like that. Like continuity. I still have a bunch, buddy. I I've been going slow on the tequila, but, uh, and I'll say this and then we can, uh, we can try to do our movie quotes. Yeah. And then I'm going to pee while you explain the rules. Okay. But in closing, so in closing, I have the absolute most hope. I am. I look forward to the day when we can be done with Dickhead, but at the same time, I'm just so ready to share it with the world. Like I feel like that's the thing I'm antsy about the most, is because it's like, look what we did. Like it's fucking like it's so much better. Like I and it, I can't. But we're the only ones who know that. We're the only, well, yes, we're the only ones who know that. But at the same time, I just. I mean, I know at the end of the day, we'll we'll be the only ones that ever know that because they never saw the other the other versions. But okay, I just hope that we have something that can connect with people, and it, I know, and I know that at least it connects with me. So there it is. Okay, with that second closing, because I just thought of this, because you know. We spent so much time working on this film, and you know that it. Sometimes getting together with you and editing the film can be terrible. In that, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. But then there's also times when we're working on the film, like today, and. You know, I think your perspective of the scene we cut is completely different than mine, but I'm so happy with how it's looking and turning out and how much the music wrapped it up in a nice little bow. I granted, I'm getting a little, my head's getting a little far up my ass, and I just have to recognize, like, oh yeah, I'm surrounded by shit. But uh, there's a beauty to this grind, man. So. When we're done with Dickhead, do you think you're going to miss it? All of this struggle, all of this bullshit, all of this agonizing over so many fucking bad takes and 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 so many mistakes looking at that badly organized files <laughs> and, you know, slates that don't match up, audio that's not aligned properly, lighting that's off, uh, angles that are reshot and not working and just this nightmare do you think you know we would always compare it to brother in arms <laughs> of this war do you think you're gonna miss this when it's done i'm gonna miss it in the aspect that it's so easy to put on those like roast uh rose tinted glasses 
and be like, man, those are some great times, right? Like when we were, but there was so much. The problem is dickhead is like, to me, it's really, it's, there's two aspects to dickhead. There is like this almost like overwhelmingly wonderful thought of production and like and then i remember like how just like how stressful and horrible i felt during shooting but after we were done it was like man i can't wait to do that again (laughs) and then we got to post and post (laughs) has been literally like 17 times worse than what production was not only did we have to deal with you know too bad not bad editors, but two, you know, disappointing interactions with editors. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. All to, uh, the the realizations of all the mistakes that we made that, you know, compounded in some degrees, um, having to kill more darlings than we ever would have dreamed of, uh, in the edit. And I, I think what I'll miss most is just, you know, sitting here, having a drink huddled up to the computer with you and going through those scenes and, and making those discoveries that we weren't completely fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. That we salvaged the fucking Titanic, right? Like we, (laughs) we started sucking on that iceberg real fast and somehow we managed to melt it and we broke, maybe broke through because I mean, really, it was just about me and you putting our heads together and and using our strengths to find those scenes and to find the cuts and to find and to find the the magic. And that's what fuels me. So like I because like I can just sit down and buckle down and look at the edit by myself, but always I feel like the best and the most progress we make is when we're working together and we're talking about it. Yeah. And it's not just. Uh, a matter of just going through the automation of being by yourself. But when you and I are there and we're like connecting and it's like, yeah, we have our disagreements, but those disagreements end up in the middle, finding the strength of the scene. I feel like like 99% of the time because you're like, well, we need this angle. And I'm like, well, we need to go it a little bit longer because we have to feel the scene. And then you're like, okay, but let's take it back like a couple frames and then add this shot. And then I'm like, what about this angle? Because I've seen every goddamn shot of this movie a million times. Yeah. I know exactly what we can put in here. And then it's like, oh, wow, we have the the most dreadful thing ever was this goddamn transition between Tom's house and Kevin's house. Yeah. And... While it's still a huge fucking mess, it is a it is an acceptable mess, and it's the best that we got. <laughs> it's the best it can be. But the and the thing is, and it's like you said, it it's book the best. The thing is, because of what the things that we've done, it's now bookmarked by two great scenes. Mm. We fixed those. We fixed the the party scenes so well that it's kind of fun and and uh silly the party scene kind of became kind of fun and silly and wonderful and then at the end is like it's dark and poignant and it's so much faster <laughs> and it's like we really gave Jennifer everything we could give her and then we just you know whatever happens at the end happens to her and 
That's what happens. Yeah, because I'll say it's it's the alcohol that's making me realize this, but if there's any subsequent films after this, it's not going to be this. You're going to be doing your own thing. I'll be doing my own thing. Maybe we'll be doing things together, but I mean, at that point, hopefully we'll have some fucking editors. <laughs> but it's not going to be what this is, man. This nope. this magic, if there is if there is magic to any of this, to any of this, if there is, it's only for this specific film. Whatever this magic we're bringing to it, it's literally only going to be for this film. That's right. And maybe we'll bring other magic, hopefully. Hopefully other better magic as we've grown and become better filmmakers but yeah I don't know it's just gonna be I don't know so you wanna explain what we're playing in the rules while I go take a tinkle go take a tinkle you want water or anything no I'm good buddy I got plenty of water so we are about to play the movie quotes drinking game so the way this works is rather simple. Normally you play with a die and you roll one to three and or dealer's choice. But we're going to play dealer's choice only mode. And essentially the person will draw a card. On the card has the title of the movie and three quotes from the film. The dealer will choose which quote they want to read. An example, American Pie. Number one is the easiest. Number three is judged to be the hardest. So number one for American Pie. This one time at band camp. Fairly simple. I think if you have seen American Pie, you probably have an idea of band camp and what American Pie is. Number two is, I am the Shermanator. I am a sophisticated sex robot sent back through time to change the future for one lucky lady. And that's the Chuck Shermanator guy. And then number three is, you realize we're all going to college as virgins. They probably have special dorms for people like us. And like, that's tough. No one's going to get that. Who the fuck knows what that is? Only God knows. <laughs> So that's what we're going to do. This is dealer's choice only, super hard mode. You weren't kidding when you said this <laughs> This game's more difficult than the chattering teeth, the Necronomicon. God damn it. So every time, so dealer will pick the card. Okay. Number one is the easiest, two is middle, three is the hardest for the movie. So we're here to stump each other then. Yes. And uh, every... So then first to five? First to five. that's the case. And uh, you get three. I figured you could do two incorrect guesses. Every incorrect guess is a drink. And if you get all three quotes wrong, so if you get... So one will be read, then two will be read, then three will be read. This is a gauntlet. Yeah. And so... We're trying to kill the other person. We're going to kill somebody, yes. Well... Tequila is the one alcohol that really gets to me. The audience may have noticed by the trajectory of the podcast and <laughs> the question. Man, this is the best it gets, huh, man? We're going to die. So, well, we might. What better to do it on than movie quotes drinking game? Which 
Uh, what's the other one? Do you know what it's called? Um, movies trivia game. <laughs> movies trivia game. Well, I really like the movie quote drinking game. I think I like that one the most. Well, why don't you go ahead and go first, buddy? All right, buddy. So I'm going to stump you. That's my objective. And then for every one you get wrong, you take a drink? Yes. And you got to guess the movie. Yes. Now, this is funny because I've asked you, I uh, questioned you on this one before, and you never got it. So it's curious to see if you'll get this. And I'm going to read to you the one that you didn't get. Chicka chicka yeah yeah fake ID fake ID super bad yeah you remembered you got it okay <laughs> nice because I did that to you like seven times and you were like I've never even seen that movie oh shit this one is tough look now he's trying to stump me I I was giving you a layup man <laughs> you know take it a little easy on old Steve buddy. <laughs> Uh, this one's tough, buddy. I don't know if I maybe should get a next one. No, I'll take my three drinks. Okay. Alan Arkin died today. I'm going with him. I'll start with, guess which should be the easiest one. Oh, fuck. No, go with the hardest one. Like, give me some hope. Are they real? Are they built for speed or for comfort? What do you do with them? Motorboat? You play the motorboat? You motorboating? Son of a bitch? Well, that's one drink. Give me number two. Good. Because I'd find you. Ha. Give me number one. <sighs> I got to get out of here. Pronto. I got a stage five clinger. Stage five virgin clinger. 40-year-old virgin? Wedding crashers. Ah, kind of close. Oh. <sighs> Hurt watching you drink that. Ooh, that first one was the big goal. Ooh. Oh, man, that made me tear up. Go for the sippies. All right, I'm going to do you like you did me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, Brandy, Heather, Channing, Brianna, Amber, Serena, Melody, Dakota, Sierra, Bambi, Crystal, Sammy, fucking Becky. Ooh, it feels so good. This is it, the quote. This is just me singing in happiness. Because we did a podcast on music. And I won. I'll drink. All right. Oh, fuck that. It's been four years, Johnny. You and me have been together for 27 years. Where's my ring, huh? Where's my ring, asshole? Okay, I'm drinking. I don't think you've ever seen this movie, actually. Fuck you, Thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't get me, Thunder, because you just, you're just God's farts. Ted. He got it. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> wow. Really? You've seen Ted? Yeah. Impressive. I've seen Wedding Crashers. I never would have got that. Dude, Jesus I Christ. never would have got Ted. 
Oh, fuck. I'm drinking again, aren't I? These are brutal. <laughs> oh, shit. Thank God I'm home. Holy Jesus in heaven. It's a giant Q-tip. Uh, uh, Austin Powers. Nope. Shit. Okay. Well, it was worth throwing that out. Okay. That means I got a drink. Wait. In- if, I, if I give my final answer, is that... Does that mean it's over for me? Or we keep going until... First of five. No, but I mean with this card specifically. Since I answered it. Does that mean it's over for me? Or no, we keep going? Okay. You keep guessing. Yeah, I'm talking to you, you toxic waste of life. You're going to pick up that butt or do I have to glue it to my shoe and stick it to your big fat pimply a-hole? Well, that's another drink. I'd never get this. I've never heard that line. Price check on Vagisil, aisle five. That's price check on Vagisil, aisle five. That sounds familiar. It's one of those shitty movies I watch. But no idea. Me, myself, and Irene. Fuck. I've seen that movie once. Because I loved uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Dude, she had, she's, her eyes are so beautiful. I had the biggest crush on her. Ooh. Oh, fuck me. You're going to get this. So I'm going to go with the hardest one. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. Oh, the uh, the sixth sense. I'm going to take a drink because fucking M night killed me. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. Oh, this one's. The easiest one's very easy. I have easy. Gary Glenn Ross. <laughs> you see the breast balls? Got some big breast balls. I'll give you the middle one. Oh, shit. It's a dead giveaway. Yeah, well, we'll this see. This one's a layup. I got COVID. I got that brain fog, you know. I'll never let go, Jack. I'll oh, never let go. <laughs> yes. What's number three? The hardest one. I figure life is a gift and I don't intend on wasting it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Go- What's number one then? I'm, I'm king, king of, of the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> that donkey could get that. Shit. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, I like this. I think you're going to get this, though. A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Godfather. Holy shit. Do you know who said that? Yeah, Vito Corleone. Oh, I'm taking two tricks for that. That's impressive. <laughs> I can even tell you the scene staring his daughter's funeral, daughter's wedding. I almost did finish that one. <laughs> okay, uh, let me ask you the other ones because I'm curious. Women and children can afford to be careless, but not men. That's probably hard, isn't huh? That's hard, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think number one? I'll is? make you an offer you can't <laughs> yes, 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 I'll take another one for that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Just a sip. Oof. All okay. right, buddy. Uh it's three to one. Uh oh. <laughs> I think you'll I think you'll eventually get this one. She did that one for me. We are the music makers and the dreamers of oh, dreams. Fuck. I've heard that. You have. I don't know. Every quote on this is from the same character. Number two, you're gonna get this. There's no way you don't get it. You always tell me that, and then I always come miss it. with me. 
and you'll be in a world. Wait, wait, wait. What's the technical uh, title? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? That's the technical title, but this is not that film. It's the Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka, correct. Oh, so that's from the remake? No, Willy Wonka is the original. That's no. The book is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But the original got changed to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The original movie is called Willy Wonka. No, it's now called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It got changed. I don't know. Willy Wonka is the one with Johnny Depp. I think. Because mm-hmm. Willy Wonka... Cha- Charlie. Willy Wonka candies didn't want to be associated with that anymore. Because of the... Oompa Loompas. Come with me. And right. Oh, that's another great musical soundtrack or musical, right? I don't even know if that's a musical. Oh, that's definitely music. Oh, this is an interesting one. It's interesting if you get this. One. This is my house. I have to defend it. <laughs> oh, Home Alone. God damn it. I knew I gave it away. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You're witty, dude. It's four to two. You're one away from winning. Damn, dude. You got some hard ones. Yeah, I know. You got some... Well, no. You got some hard ones. You just know your shit. Oh, this one's... You haven't failed one. Well, you failed one. To be fair, you'll get this. Okay. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. I, that's a famous line. I don't know what that fucking. Was. What? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Show me the money. Oh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> well, that's one three. <laughs> you had me a hello, bro. But isn't that always like a famous line in movies? No, that's from Jerry Maguire. No, but that's a famous line from others. Yeah, yeah, since Jerry Maguire. Oh, dude, you're not gonna get this. Okay, we go on for another round. Because it's literally, he's at four, two, what am I at? Three? Three. Four to three. If Tom gets this, he wins it. Now, Steven has been the leader in the trivia games somehow. But Tom won last trivia game. And now he's ready on his sophomore victory. Will he get this one? Oprah? Barbara Walters, your wife, you got to fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. Anchorman. Take a drink, bitch. Ready for number two? Mm Mm-hmm. You and your mom are hillbillies. This is a house of learned doctors. (laughs) Take another drink, motherfucker. You don't even have a chance. I know you're not going to get this. <laughs> now, this is number one, the easiest. Okay. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the comeback, baby. Do you want to guess as to anything? Like throw it out there to the wilderness? I'll tell you this. Maybe you'll remember someday. Step Brothers. Never seen it. Really? No. Oh, well, that Wolf. explains it. I hate Wolf you know, I had another one that was Will Ferrell. Well, because I was going to say the anchor man. Oh, shit. Uh, He's like, how can I fuck him over now? No. Uh, I'd have to say. 
Asphincter says what? Asphincter say what? I don't know. Drink, motherfucker. I know. Fuck. I know. Fuck. You'll get this one. Okay. You can't get, you can't miss. If you do, you lose all street cred. (laughs) Fuck, man. I'm pouring tequila already. We're not worthy. We're not Not worthy. worthy. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Uh, Wayne's World. That's right. Four to four, huh? Game point. We're not worthy. Ah, S features say what? Number one was swing. Swing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right, let me shuffle this. All right, buddy. Okay. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Oh, you're so fucked. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Fight Club. Take a drink. Fuck. I like that. That was a very good guess. Congratulations. Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it San Diego, which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) This is all by the same character, by the way. Do you want me to read it to you again? No. Okay. Uh... Rocket Man. <laughs> Take a drink. Oh, it feels so good. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Anchorman. Ding, 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 ding. Tom wins. <laughs> God. You won, buddy. I don't want to drink any more tequila. Well, I'll take that drink. Well, do you that want to? That was kind of fucking up. Well, buddy. You want to see if you can get this one? All right. If I get this one, we continue. Deathmatch. Sure. Mm. I drank to the Ron Burgundy. Damn it. Okay. Go ahead. We're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a state of uh, steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Oh my god, I don't... Uh, office space. Shit. Give me number two. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers. Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. Jesus fucking Christ. Rest in peace, Alan Alda. You need to take a drink for that, because Alan Alda's <laughs> alive and Alan Arkin's dead. Oh yeah. Alright, so this is to the death, man. To the death. Have you ever seen uh, Kirk versus that lizard? No. Really? Star Trek? Oh, I've never seen that one. All right. I'm going to flip a card, and I'm going to go with number three. You flip a card, and you go with number three, and we're going to go off. Fuck. This one's so easy. Yes. Excellent. It's the claw. Nothing can stop the claw. Toy Story. Nope. Take a drink. (laughs) Take a drink. God damn it. What? It's not Toy Story. The Claw, The Claw. That's Toy Story. <laughs> Do you see the difference? <laughs> Go with the hardest one. Because I'm stupid, so there's a good chance I won't You get. won't get this one if it's the hardest one. Okay. The only thing we serve here is tongue. You boys like tongue? No, but I like tequila. Okay. The plan is... <laughs> Fuck. 
The pen is blue. The pen is blue. The goddamn pen is blue! Being John Malkovich? <laughs> Close. No. Will Steven win it? Ding, 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 hey, ding, you ding. guys. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Hey, you. What movie is that from, you guys? You guys. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I even said it like the character. I know you did. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Oh, I'm going to hate myself when I'm sober in the morning. Okay, well, what's the next one? <sighs> I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind? Fight Club. Take a drink, bitch. What? What was it? Liar, liar. Oh, <laughs> fuck. I knew you wouldn't get that. Hey, you guys. Oh, my God. That's classic. Give me a number. So that's why they call you One-Eyed Willie. What's the movie? Goonies. Oh, <laughs> fuck. I've only seen... I hate the goodies. <sighs> well, now I know why. Hey, you guys. Oh, my God. You're not going to get this at all. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a. Because a, you won. You won the game. So I'm going to give you all three. If you don't get all three. OK. OK. Because you did beat me. You did beat me rules uh you know show me all the blueprints 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 yep uh, that's what i thought okay you don't have to drink it the way of the future 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 incredibles yep don't drink it <laughs> Okay, take a drink. Because you're going to get this. I'm smoking a cigarette. Do your worst, Mr. Hughes. I got Th nothing. Thank God for tequila. Do your worst, Mr. Hughes. I'm giving you a second chance. Mr. Hughes. <laughs> get in the... Uh, Goose Spragoose, you remember the Simpsons? The Aviator? Yes! The Aviator. <laughs> Take a fucking drink. I fucking laid that up. Uh, you fucking fucker. How about this one? Can you get this one? <laughs> Can you get this one? Get Li this one. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. I've heard that line before, but I have no idea what the movie is. Oh, he's very popular, Ed. The sportsos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebs, oh my dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Ferris Bueller. Yes. Yes. yes! But you won it. All right. You did win it. Well, let's say that's a tie. That's a tie because uh, you didn't win it there, but you did win it. 
It's, you know, did you see that Volkanovsky versus Islam Makachev? No. Now, Islam Makachev went on points in the fight. But Volkanovsky won the fight because he beat the shit out of Islam. You're uh, Volkanovsky who beat the shit out of the guy. But I'm Islam who went on points. So that means for the next podcast, a fight to the death. Hey, let's get another. Let's let's get a new game. Okay, we'll get a new game. And we'll fight to the death with tequila. What's the Pee Wee Herman song? Oh, shut up. Tequila. Tequila. You're supposed to say cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>